everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Wonder-Filled Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. Today's episode is on the topic of meditation. I'm going to share some of my thoughts on the subject, give a few recommendations for getting started, and we're even going to participate in a one-minute guided meditation together. Later, we have an interview with Reiki master Kelly Tomorrow, who will enlighten us on all things Reiki. So pour yourself a glass of something good, get cozy, and enjoy this episode of Wonder-Filled Week. Meditation is something I have always loved. The idea of. I would read books and watch videos about the many healing benefits of mindful meditation and long for the peace and tranquility these people seem to have tapped into through meditation. But if I'm being honest, every time I have tried to actually meditate, I find myself scratching my head afterwards wondering where I went wrong because I definitely didn't do it right. I had meditation shame. And this was only made worse when I tried yoga in college and realized that also wasn't working for me. I always wanted to be the yoga meditation girl and I was totally striking out on my vision for myself. Oh, for two, until I went to visit my mom recently and she turned me on to guided meditation videos. Now this was a breakthrough for me. These guided meditations of various lengths, from as short as a minute to as long as an eight-hour guided sleep talk-down, are totally a great place for a beginner who can't seem to tap into the quietness of the mind without being distracted. Deepak Chopra once said, Meditation is not a way of making your mind quiet. It is a way of entering into the quiet that is already there, buried under the 50,000 thoughts the average person thinks every day. Well, until I can wade through all those thoughts and find the quiet, I'm happy being the guided meditation girl. I was also recently made aware of an app called the Insight Timer. My aunt swears by it, and based on the 165,000 five-star reviews on iTunes, I would say it's a real winner. Insight Timer also has various length meditations for a variety of focuses, including gratitude, managing stress, improving sleep, boosting self-esteem, and so many more. Since one part of my 30-day challenge this month is five minutes of daily mindful meditation, this app has been a real lifesaver. I think if you're curious about meditation or it hasn't worked for you in the past, you try this. Step one, YouTube videos. They're free. Just get your feet wet. See if you like it. Do the guided meditations. Step two, Download the Insight app and try the seven-day free trial. See if it's a good fit. Step three, get your nose in a book. Here are two that people are loving for getting started in meditation. One, Secrets of Meditation by David G, spelled J-I. And two, Practical Meditation for Beginners, 10 Days to a Happier, Calmer You by Benjamin Decker. Both available on Kindle for under $10, and both available on Amazon and paperback for under 15. Invest in your mental health. I really think anyone can find some form of meditation that works for them if they try a few different ways and see what fits. For now, let's participate in this quick one minute meditation together and then you can enjoy my interview with Reiki master Kelly tomorrow to learn everything you wanted to know about Reiki healing. Close your eyes for this moment and breathe, just breathe, see the rain begin to fall, 
and allow any fear to dissipate from your entire body, mind and spirit. You are love. Fear is no longer a part of you. Breathe in the scent of rain as it seeps directly into your heart, washing away any fear you have. Magnify each droplet in your mind and see it spread love from a cellular level to encompass your physical being and beyond. You are safe. You are protected. You radiate love, not fear. Love is all there is right now, in this present moment. Today's guest is a Reiki master who specializes in bringing the Reiki practice into healthcare systems. Beginning her journey in Reiki, she studied a variety of forms with various masters until she met Phyllis Lei Furumoto, who was the Grand Master of the Usui Shiki Ryoho style. This specific form of practice includes self-treatment, treatment from others, and treatment for others, and honors the spiritual lineage of Usui, Hayashi, Takata, Phyllis Lee Furumoto, and her successor, Johannes Rendell. Currently, my guest works at a hospice in Hingham, Massachusetts, specializing in integrative therapies and provides training to those looking to learn and integrate this form of practice into their everyday lives. Please welcome to the program, Kelly Tomorrow. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the program. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. So um, I just did a little brief intro, but now I'm just wondering for the people who are curious about Reiki but aren't entirely sure what it is, can you give us a a brief history of Reiki? Absolutely. So typically, if you could see me in person, I would be demonstrating with some hand placements, as I said what I'm going to say now. So Reiki is a practice that's used to create balance. And as I was saying this, I would place my hands over my eyes, the side of my head, the back of my head. So I'm showing you the form of practice as I'm saying it. So Reiki is, it's um, similar to meditation. The results that you get after you practice. Is that a good explanation? Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So what would you say the benefits are of Reiki? So the benefits that you receive after practicing Reiki is you feel less stress you're, um, you know, less anxious and just a better quality of life, basically. You just, you feel better after Reiki. That's excellent. And how did you first get involved in Reiki? So how I first got into it is probably about, um, it was around 1995, 
and at the time um, I heard some you know news that my mom uh, was very sick and um, o- over the years um, I just started getting like very anxious I was thinking she was gonna die and it was around 1995 and I had this migraine headache and one of my friends um, Suzanne was practicing Reiki and she asked me if I would like a sample of it and I knew nothing about it um, what I did know is that you know I closed my eyes she put her hands on my head and maybe my shoulders and I even though I didn't understand it I felt a little better afterwards so that was around 1995 and then um, the year that we found out that my mother had um, sinus cancer um, that was um, in 19 I'm just trying to think of what year it was around 1999 I um, you know was very anxious I was thinking that she was gonna you know die during a surgery we found out you know like on a uh, Friday that you would need a surgery on a Monday um, to, to remove this cancer so I was very anxious thinking about you know the outcome and um, again I happened to be with this woman and she gave me more Reiki and somehow when she was giving the Reiki um, I was able to relax and not feel you know so worried about what was going to happen to my mother Wow! and then by me being able to relax it, it made me be able to be there for my mother. So now I wasn't just concerned about kind of myself. I was thinking more about, okay, I'm calming down. I'm feeling better. Now I can kind of be there for her and be positive to her and reassure her that she's going to be okay, that everything will be all right. We'll be there after she wakes up, those types of things. So that's what it instantly gave to me back then. Wow. And then I just wanted, I wanted to learn it. That's so powerful. So yeah, so it changed your focus from inward, worrying about yourself, and so you were able to be more present for people around you. That's amazing. Yes. And so because it was so effective immediately, you were so intrigued, you wanted to get into the field yourself? Right. I I did want to learn it, but um, real life just somehow kept getting in the way. So I had um, three children, and I worked full-time, so um, there just was never really any time really to give back to myself so um one day i decided that it was my best friend's since first grade's birthday and we were going to go down to plymouth and um i was going to get her a massage and we ended up going down there it was near thanksgiving and we were going to have a nice little day and both of us went to get a massage and the woman that was giving us the massage started talking about reiki so that was kind of like the third time I heard about it. Wow, so it's like keeps showing up in your life like a sign. Yeah, so it it showed up for the third time, and that very day we were going to go see, you know, a, a parade in Plymouth and walk around and spend the day together, and we decided to go immediately to a place in Plymouth where this massage therapist had learned Reiki and look into it. So we walked through the door, and uh, we signed up for a class that very day, and then it just started the... Um, the path to Reiki. Wow. So it really, it's really meant for you because it kept showing up in your life until you finally went with it. Right. I, I think that I, I just thought at first when I heard about it years ago, I was thinking, well, you know, this woman is a doctor and, um, you know, she is doing something that I'll never be able to do, realizing that anybody can do it once they learn the practice. Right. And it's very simple if you keep it simple. 
Wow. So how many classes did it require for you to become, because I know you're a Reiki master, so there, is there a levels to it, depending right, so on your all, training? Right. So there's three levels of Reiki. There's first degree practice, there's second degree practice, and then there's Reiki master. So in, in the form of practice that I do, the Yusui Shikiri Aho, there's three, three levels. Um, in some other practices of uh, different lineage, there's a variety of practices and um, levels, but that's that's what I do. So in the very beginning, um, I was kind of looking for the like really fast Reiki. I wanted you know all the bells and whistles. Right. So I went around and I uh, I learned you know this Reiki and that Reiki and this type and that and I realized that all of those styles for me personally uh, were very confusing. So that's why I was I was searching for something that felt right to me, and then I did, and then that's when I realized that this um, this style that I practice just you know hands on for myself, getting a treatment from other people and then giving it to others. You can't give other people Reiki if you're not available yourself. To right, yourself. absolutely. And, you, it has to be a good fit for you in order for you to practice it on somebody else. Is that right, fair exactly. to say? So that's, yeah, that's why I was uh, I was definitely searching for, like I said, I always, um, I, I think about it like this. I was, you know, on the fast galloping horse and then I got back onto the mule and just kind of took like the slow path that was really much better for me. Oh, I love that. But I, w- I would argue that that's best. I mean, slow and steady wins the race. You found what was a good fit and you just dove into that style. So you're more yes. comfortable with it. You're able to practice it, and I'm sure it's very effective. It really is, and I and I feel great when I do it. And, and sometimes you, you know, let life get in the way again, and you um, don't make yourself a priority. And then that's when you realize, well, why do I feel unbalanced? Why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel? Why do I have a headache? And then you realize, well, it's because you haven't been given back to yourself. First. I think that's a big problem with a lot of people these days. A lot of people are focused on, focused on helping their family, helping others, rush, rush, rushing, social media. We're just so caught up all day long that really, I'd really try to preach self-care. And this seems to be a, a great form of self-care. It really isn't. And, and why that it is, is because once you learn it, um, you can do it at any time. So basically, once you learn the practice, you can be in your car, you can be stuck in traffic, you can be going off in a distance. And all of a sudden, you're, you're worrying about, am I going to get to my meeting? Am I going to be late? And then you just place your hand, you know, one hand maybe on your lap or on your stomach. And as you're driving along, you're benefiting from the practice of Reiki. You don't have to have your eyes closed or be in this meditative state. It kicks right in. And all of a sudden, you notice your breath's calming down. You're relaxing. You're driving along. And, you know, you can see the sun and the just beautiful sights as you're along and before you know it you're at your appointment wow that's amazing because I think the misconception or you know what people think is when I'm meditating I have to be on the floor sitting crisscross you know with a candle lit and music playing but it's amazing that you can actually practice Reiki in the chaos of life if you find your moment one um, eye-opener one time as I was in New York and I was with this um, this group and we were all practicing Reiki and um, typically, when you practice Reiki in some settings, you'll have music on and you'll be on like a nice uh, massage style table. You maybe have a blanket on you and 
everything's a repeat till you're comfortable. But this particular, it was um, at a clinic, um, the Jewish Community Clinic in Manhattan, and people were not listening to music. Uh, it was um, in the other room next door. They were playing like bingo or something like that. And there was absolutely no music, and everyone was using the same hand placements. And it was just unbelievable how you realized immediately that you didn't need anything fancy. A jackhammer was outside. Wow. You know, pegging on the cement, and everybody was getting the same benefits. People were relaxed, and people were waking up with like a nice little smile on their face and peace in their eyes. Oh my gosh. I love that because it's reassuring that even because life is chaotic. I mean, mostly all the time for a lot of people. So to know that you can find some peace in that and that it can really still be effective is very promising. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to train the three levels to become a Reiki master? How long was that process? Well, I began in 2006 and I'm still practicing and learning. So, um, some practices you may be able to, you know, just take a class over a weekend and then you're a Reiki master. But with my particular practice, I took the first degree and then the second degree and then the master level, and I'm still learning the, my entire life. But basically, to answer your question, when you're initiated into the practice of level one, um, you're practicing self-treatment when you're uh, practicing in the second degree, that's um, Reiki for others. And and then the third um, practice, the master, is you're teaching others. So those are the three levels. And basically, a piece of paper is as good as what you put into it. So um, my practice is like a lifestyle of learning by practicing Reiki on myself, giving it to others, not really reading and thinking about it, just doing it. Wow. And now... If people were interested in, in, you know, training to become level one or, you know, continue on to be Reiki master, how would you go about that? Just like Google it to find it in their community or how do you think they should go about that? Uh, are most of the listeners in Massachusetts? I, I would say it's pretty split. So if, uh, yeah, in Massachusetts, how would how would they go about it? And then maybe okay. general. All right. So in, in Massachusetts, I created on Facebook um, many years ago, it's called Massachusetts Reiki Community. Okay, so they and could follow that and, and get some information? Right, so, so they can go on that, and there's a, there's a file, and there's a list of all the practitioners listed by town. So once they go onto that Facebook page, you just want to, you know, maybe find someone who is close to you or, like, feels, feels right, but you want to ask them a, a few questions so that you know that you're, you're going to really be getting what, what, you, what you need in the end. So you want to make sure that they're practicing self-Reiki themselves. Oh, okay. You know, how, how long have they been doing this? What's their form of practice? But the, the number one question I was asked is, do you do self-treatment? Because that's important. Do you think the people who are teaching and training Reiki should be practicing it on themselves every day? Um, it's a requirement. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So, so that's that's um, that's something you just want to make sure that you know how can you understand a practice if you're not pra- that's the that's the, um, the the heart of Reiki is the self treatment. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you know it's like an airplane. You have to put your own mask on first before you can help anyone else. So exactly. you sort of have to feed into yourself before you can help others. It makes sense. Right. 
So okay. um, you, you asked about the first degree level. How soon can you practice? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious right. about that. Right. Well, again, um, when I teach first degree Reiki, um, in the first class is four, four, four parts to first degree okay. in my practice. So in the very first day, you learn how to give yourself a Reiki treatment. And on day one, you also learn how to give a treatment to others. Oh, wow. Okay, so you begin so, straight away. Immediately. So um, we don't get into like a lot of talking. Um, you're initiated into the practice of Reiki, and then you do a self-treatment, and then you give a treatment to one of the other students, and then they switch. And then we continue to do that, you know, week after week. You know, this four, it's a four-week class or whoever exactly how we but it's four times and then we um then you have it for the rest of your life on day one but just so that people can practice in between and maybe ask some questions when they return that's the homework the the self-treatment but you have it immediately for the rest of your life wow it's very powerful and now reiki's been around forever I i started to do a little bit of research on it but i mean it's been practiced for many years correct yes so um makala sui um in 1922 he went up to this mountain called mount karama and that's where he discovered reiki and again he was searching for something and he was up on the mountain for 22 days and he found what is called reiki and in um, japan there are different um there are different types of um things called reiki but this was like the macau asui went up and found this reiki which he brought down um to, to Japan. Oh, wow. And so, do you know how it first came over to America? Yes, I do. So, um, Mikawa Sui um, taught it to Dr. Hayashi, who was um, realizing that World War II was going to occur. So, he knew about this, that it was going to happen. And at the time, there was a woman in Japan named Hawaii Takata. And she had some like illnesses. She was, you know, very ill with it, whether it was gallbladder or, you know, whatever it was. And she needed to go over to Japan to inform her parents that someone in the family had died. So that's how you brought the news over. Back then, you would get on a boat and go over. So she went over, and um, not only did she share the news with her parents, but she was looking to have something surgery to help with her ailment. So she went to this. Um, this hospital and they were going to perform the surgery but she really didn't want to do it she asked the the doctor is there another way and he said well there there kind of is so let me tell you about this clinic where this dr hayashi is and go there and say what you think so she would go there uh, to dr hayashi's clinic and she would lie on the table and the japanese people would come in and they would be giving her Reiki and she would be looking up their sleeves because she thought there was some kind of electric equipment under the sleeves because she would feel this intense heat. Oh, wow. So she was looking up. So um, anyway, she um, repeatedly went to this clinic and um, convinced uh, Dr. Hayashi to teach her. Usually a Japanese person in that time, that culture, would not teach anyone outside the Japanese culture. But she was... Um, born in Hawaii, she was part Japanese, and they, um, Dr. Hayashi eventually um, did teach Hawaii Takata Reiki. After a good amount of time, um, she lived in his home, and she would, you know, go out in the clinics and 
um, teach Reiki along with him, and um, she would sit down at the table with the family and eat together. And after a period of time, um, she went back to um, Hawaii with him and started teaching Reiki on the mainland in Puerto Rico and different places like that. And she somehow convinced him that she um, could be the lineage bearer of this practice. And he, like on his deathbed, um, initiated her as the the, uh, the lineage bearer. So oh, that's wow. how it, it did come to um, to the United States through Hawaii Takata. And then I mentioned to you um, in the beginning, like Phyllis Firamoto. So Hawaii Takata initiated 22 masters into the practice period, one of them being her granddaughter, who um, carried on her practice until um, this past March of 2019, when I was in Arizona with a bunch of masters and um, the uh, Johannes Rendell was selected as a successor because Phyllis passed away. Oh. So very, very sad. Right. A huge loss. But that's how it came, and that's kind of like, you know, where it is now. Right. But she had a very meaningful life and a big contribution into Reiki, so I'm sure, you know, her legacy will live on. Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, so many people that absolutely love her, and um, this is just gathering recently that, with Johannes and probably the most amount of masters ever getting together, got together just to support uh, the, the style of practice and him as the new success is so wonderful. Oh, wow. Would you say the Reiki community is very close? Masters spend a lot of time with one another? I feel like they do. And I feel like um, maybe at one time uh, there might have been like a little competition and uh, which you wouldn't think would. Um, wow. Yeah, I be- wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think that, but as I see the the different communities, um, everybody respects each other's practices, and because at the end of the day, um, everyone knows that no matter what the practice is called, each practice does work the same. Right. So it's effective it's, no matter what. Right. It's your own beliefs, but I do see um, the celebration of Reiki practice, which is a nonprofit. Um, that's a group that gets together and. Massachusetts yearly and they have a conference and uh, there's a lot of education going on and um, people are there together and then the online communities and uh, people really work together and within the hospitals um, and in the different hospices so everyone really knows each other and really has a lot of respect for each other. I would imagine that it would be a very respectful community. Mm-hmm. And now and you work in a hospice, correct? Currently? Yes, I do. I um, About 12 years ago, I started volunteering um, in hospice. Um, at the time, I was the first Reiki practitioner in the, on the South Shore for this particular um, hospice that I volunteered for. So they were looking for someone. And um, that ended up leading me to working for that company and then um, working down on the Cape where I set up 100 practitioners um, to get Reiki all over the Cape um, for this other nonprofit, and then I was recruited uh, to work for the current hospice that I work for now um, three years ago. So wow. I volunteered actually ten years ago uh, with the same hospice with uh, brain aneurysm and Alzheimer's support doing Reiki. So it's kind of like a circle goes around. And- Absolutely, I feel like a lot of your life is full circle and meant to be. It absolutely and. You know, very synchronicities and 
the interesting thing was, you know, years ago, the current CEO now of the company, um, one day I was teaching a class and I was thinking, who should lie down on the table so that the students could practice? So we went up and we got this woman, she lied down on the table and she ended up, she wanted to learn Reiki. And now today she's the CEO of the company and she oh recruited me to uh, work for this um, organization. That's amazing. Now, in the hospice, are you are you practicing Reiki on the patients, the families, yes. both? Yes. Yes. So what we do is uh, we practice out in the community. We have a hospice home and where anyone lives and in skilled nursing facilities. So the, um, the trained practitioner will go into the home or the hospice house or the skilled nursing facility, and they will provide um, using a hospice protocol for Reiki, they'll give the treatment to um, the person as well as a family member. So family members, um, that's really important to make sure that you're taking care of the caregiver. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of stress, you know, at the end of life. So um, in many instances, there will be a few practitioners together, one with the patient or the resident and one with um maybe two of the daughters or the sons, all giving Reiki at the same time. Oh, I'm sure the family members are so stressed. That's such a stressful and emotional situation to be in. I feel like that's the perfect place for Reiki to be practiced. It, it really is. And, you know, it's um, what I found out about, you know, in the hospice setting is if somebody is a veteran, you know, we want to uh, recognize them for their military service and, and focus on that. That's It's very specific. If they are interested in pet therapy, well, let's, provide them that if they're interested in music. So there's a different set of skills for each person's individual needs. And Reiki seems to be the one that is um, is in most demand. Oh, I would imagine so. But do you find that for yourself, working in the hospice environment, that it's emotionally draining for you? I do feel that it is. And um, I feel it is if you let it be. So okay. um, every now and then I get like a kick in the butt that it's a reminder that, you know, you've taken care of all these things all week. Well, have you, have you walked, have you eaten healthy? If you, have you uh, taken a time to do a meditation on top of your Reiki practice? So yes, you can, if you, if you allow it in life, I'm learning more and more that you need to have boundaries for, for everything of how much you give of yourself. Absolutely. I definitely give a lot. So, uh, but it, it comes natural for me, but I always have to make sure I bring it back to my practice and make sure am I taking care of Kelly. Right. Well, and I'm sure that's why it's the heart of Reiki is to perform it on your, or practice it on yourself because you Absolutely. can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to make sure that you're checking in. And I think it's right. good that you set boundaries and sort of do that self-reflection. Well, I do them, but they get crossed many times. I'm sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> life. Keep a tight eye on it, but... Right. Do you practice Reiki on your children? You said you have three children? Yes. Um, so my um, my youngest daughter, um, she learned Reiki. Um, it, it was kind of interesting. She learned Reiki with one of her friends wanted to learn it, so she kind of came along with her. Oh, and wow. And I think she, my daughter, practiced it more than her friend. So um, anytime... One of my children lives in Boston, and well, it's actually two in Boston and one um, in California. So anytime um, they ever would like Reiki, I absolutely will give it to them. And sometimes, you know, my oldest son will say no, but I respect that. So Reiki is only for people that want to have it. You don't want to force it on anyone. Right. You have to sort of be in the mindset for it. 
Right. So I think, you know, years ago when I was first learning it, they were my middle two children. They were kind of making fun of me, and, you know, just joking around as they saw me changing and becoming more relaxed and, you know, not as you as you have, you know, teenagers and things like that. Uh, they just saw, you know, how it, it helped me and they were very interested in it. So they're very respectful when it's all said and done. They're yes. respectful of yes. the practice. Right. And what is, what's important about that, too, is I found a respect for it, too. So the respect that I have for it, you know, when you have your own self-respect. Oh, not, absolutely. You're not so interested in what everyone else thinks about what you're doing because you're happy and you get to that point that, you know, it's a good thing. Well, that's the goal. That's the goal I'm trying to achieve in life is just being focused on my own lane and not worrying about what other people think. Right. And again, it's a practice. Like everything's a practice. Like, you know, do, do we really, is that really bothering us? Well, if we stop and we do some self care and we find out really like the root cause, I always try to get to the root cause of what it really is all about. Oh, that's, that's huge. Now, you said you practice other forms of meditation? Right. I just um, do like a very simple, so sometimes I'll do like a guided meditation. I love those. I, I like um, I like listening to like um, Deepak and Oprah. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then you can get those, they're like the 21-day ones, and I have a few on my phone, Just to, and I seem to have the same one that I, maybe there's 22 of them I listen to one a day, or I just will set... Um, like a little music or like maybe some white noise and I will just practice without any guided meditation or it could just be like a walking meditation just being out in nature being with my dogs you know my two golden retrievers so those are the different types of uh, meditations that I enjoy that's so great so you find the peace throughout every day it might might vary from day to day but you're finding your moments I do, and, and sometimes when I'm, again, I'm just driving along in the car and I'm not meditating, but I'll put on some meditative type of music, and I find that instantly it just brings me like this inner peace, almost like when you um, light, say, some some type of a scent that you like, or use like an essential oil that you love the smell of, the minute it goes on your skin, I, the minute you smell the beautiful scent of you know, holy wood or sage, you just get to that instant. It's instant. Right. Well, I urge everyone to find what, what brings them their instant, you know, joy or comfort, relief. I think that's great. Okay. I have a few rapid fire questions and then some this or that, and then I'll let you go because you've just given us so much to consider. So I'm just going to do, these are sort of like quick little this or that's for your personal personality. So Early bird or night owl? What are you? A little of both. Okay, a little balance. I like that. Okay, if you had to choose snowstorm or desert heat? Snowstorm. Okay, oh, that's rare. Not a lot of people pick that one. A beach day or a pool day? Beach day. Okay, sunset or sunrise? Both of them. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Coffee Coffee. and tea. Coffee and tea. Morning or morning to pick up or to rest. I like both. I love that. What's your favorite kind of tea? I like to have like the turmeric with the yes. um, black pepper. Oh, this yes. Right now. That sounds good. And you just have it black and hot? Yes. I never put any milk in anything. 
Oh, okay. Just natural. I like it. Okay, these are just a few rapid-fire questions. I begin every day by... Practicing Reiki. Excellent. I'm happiest when... I'm at the beach with my family. Success to me means... Loving myself. Oh, I love that. And today I am grateful for... I'm grateful for my grandchildren, my family, my life, my golden retrievers, just my entire family, my husband, my friends. I'm oh. just really grateful to be in Kelly tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Hashtag goals. My goal is to be Kelly tomorrow when I grow up. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so great. I want to thank Kelly so much for being on the program. She taught us a ton about Reiki. If you were in the Massachusetts area and you wanted to reach out to Kelly to learn more about Reiki or to potentially even train with her, Kelly can be reached at usuireikiteachers at gmail.com, U-S-U-I-R-E-I-K-I teachers at gmail.com. And I will link that in the description of this episode if you wanted to reach out to Kelly. And if you are not in the Massachusetts area and you still wanted to learn more about Reiki, I encourage you to go online and find someone in your community that is reputable in Reiki practice. And if you do end up training with someone, don't forget Kelly's number one question to ask the person who will be training you. Do you practice self-Reiki daily? Because let's not forget, that is the heart of Reiki. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of Wonderfilled Week. I'm Caitlin Corey, and I will see you next time.